you know, we get into these ruts of doing the same thing over and over again, where there could be something really great on the other side that you haven't tested out yet, just because that's not your normal way of thinking about it. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, uh, welcoming to the show another one of my Mastermind members, uh, a good friend of mine. I know I've talked about my Mastermind a, a ton on here. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it in a minute. Uh, but welcome, Kurt Bullock. How are you doing today? Great. How are you doing today, Chase? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm just watching GarageBand, making sure it's recording. But I'll switch back over to Zoom now. Awesome. So uh, give the people a little bit of background on, on what you do over there at uh, Produce Department. Yeah. So Pro's department is an e-commerce marketing agency. So we don't really do development. Uh, we're really just focusing on things like paid traffic and uh, email marketing with Klaviyo specifically. Awesome. So paid traffic, we're, we're talking about the hot button issues here. We got Facebook and Google. Uh, and uh, are you guys doing uh, dabbling much into the, the newer socials yet? We're testing on a couple accounts. So like Snapchat, we've got the Snap Pixel and a couple ads running for one of our ad accounts uh, for one of our clients. Uh, I haven't done anything with TikTok. I'm just trying to like learn more about TikTok, but uh, Snapchat and has been interesting so far. I honestly, I feel old being like I don't have a clue what TikTok's all about, and I, I that's like I've never felt that way in my life. Yeah, TikTok's a totally new animal. It's not at all like Facebook or Instagram. Absolutely. All right. So, so Kurt and I obviously uh, we've known each other for quite some time here, and uh, a lot of questions that I get from you, the audience. With by by the way, you guys can straight up email me chase at electriceye.io and give me ideas for podcasts, who you want on the podcast, or just questions you want answered. But people do often reach out and they're like, "Hey, I just want tips on how to be better at Facebook and Instagram ads." So I reached out to who I personally message when I have questions about Facebook and Instagram ads uh, to get him on the podcast. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of what can separate you know you from a beginner and kind of help you really get some better returns. I don't know. How would you like to articulate that a bit better? Yeah, I think that's right on. Um, I kind of have been approaching this from the perspective of like the changes that we've seen recently with Facebook, right? So right now, competition is high. Traffic costs are rising. They're making changes to like, you know, introducing CBO and the way that the algorithm works, trying to make it smarter, which is great. But this is kind of, you know, it's, it's changing a lot of things. And so when there's a lot of change, people get nervous. They don't know what to do. And uh, so I think that ultimately, though, Facebook's goal is to get this, you know, it's to get the marketplace working as well as possible to be as profitable for us as it can be, which leaves us more time to focus on really the fundamentals, which is stuff like copy, creative, uh, you know, your testing schedule, stuff like that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. Awesome. So we're going to learn uh, some inside hints. And this is uh, from someone that's managing quite a bit of spend every month. So this is you know a real professional in the game these days. We're going to talk about how to you can best write some copy for your ads, uh, you know, some ideas for creative and how to test that. 
uh, and get a little more deep on testing itself. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy. Excellent. So in kind of the looking through that lens of so much is changing right now, uh, if you're an advertiser, you might sometimes feel like you don't really know what's working and what's not working. It kind of goes in waves, right? And so I always think about it like, you know, there's certain things that I can control and then there's things that I can't control. Things that I can't control is going to be like the marketplace, right? The cost of traffic. Uh, the quality of traffic that they're sending me. I don't have any direct influence over that, although I can change targeting. But Facebook ultimately decides who's going to be shown each ad. Um, just regular ups and downs in the marketplace, right? Like introducing CBO, that's changing the, you know, it's giving us swings in performance, both better and in some cases worse. So that's stuff that we can't control. But the stuff that we can control and really iterate on and get better at over time is stuff like getting to know our customers better. Uh, so that we can speak to them better. Um, our ad copy, right? So copywriting, our offers and positioning, uh, and then creative. That's that's what I like to focus on. And I think we should maybe start with ad copy. Facebook says that people look first at the creative, like at the image, and then they look at the ad copy in terms of like importance and where the ad goes. But I think that starting with ad copy helps us to have sort of like a framework that we can use to talk about the creative, right? Yeah, I think they definitely influence each other strongly. Um, I know personally when I'm when I'm on uh, Facebook or Instagram, mostly Instagram, I try to avoid Facebook. And you can probably tell that by my absence in our uh, Facebook group that I'm I'm only in there about once or twice a week. But I uh, know like on Instagram, immediately I see an ad and then I go to the copy. Right. Let's dive into copy a little bit then. So there's kind of a conversation that uh, has been going on, you know, especially in digital, which is sort of like difference between brand marketing and performance marketing. Ultimately, I think that with the way that things are going, where creative is becoming our biggest lever, it's not going to be so much about knowing a little hack or trick, you know, to kind of get around Facebook's algorithm. We're going to want frameworks to help us think about how to how to get better at this. So one guy that I look to a lot is Ryan Dice, and I've used this framework for ages. Um, you can Google before and after grid Ryan Dice if you want to get more information on this. But basically, this is gonna this helps you sort of uncover different hooks and ways of thinking about your audience. So he breaks it down basically into two columns: before and after. And then um, for each of those, we're looking at it through the lens of have. So what does your customer have or not have right before and then after purchasing your product? Uh, same with feel before and after average day and status. And he makes the point and I, I totally agree that we usually focus on have, right? Here's the this is the product, these are the details about the product. Uh, come get it, right? And that's kind of the easiest uh, lowest barrier to uh, entry right in writing ads. But he argues that that focusing on the last three is really where we can make sort of set ourselves apart from others. So that's on the feel before and after. Um, average day before and after and status. So really, this is kind of like thinking about the emotional side, internal versus external. Like how do how do your customers um, see themselves now? How do they want to see themselves? Right. Mm -hmm. I feel amazing. Uh, my life is better. You know, it, it, things like that. Yeah, exactly. And then also like how do customers want to be perceived by others as it relates to your brand? So you know, there's the and I have a couple examples that we'll go go through uh, down here, but um, it's kind of all about this idea of 
being transformed, right? And, and being part of the transformation of your customers. So if you can associate sort of an aspirational identity or a lifestyle with your products, then you can increase the perceived value of your products and your brands in the marketplace, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much half of the plan of every luxury brand. Right. And, you know, it helps you. There's a whole sort of class of ads that are really separate from brand that are really product focused. Some drop shippers might fall into that category, but uh, you know we're having to we're having. I think that to win, we're having to tell more stories, right? Create this story that that our customers can buy into, or really so that we can sort of incorporate ourselves into our customer stories, and and think more about brand. So let's look at um, ritual. Have you heard of uh, ritual vitamins? I have. Yeah. So only because every lead is like, hey, like we want to be like them, <laughs> right? <laughs> So yeah, Ritual, uh, led by Kat Schneider, um, they describe themselves as like a health brand driven by simplicity, transparency, and science. So when, if, you, if you're not familiar with Ritual and their vitamins, the capsules, like the actual vitamins themselves are clear. And you can see these little beads moving around in them, right? Have you seen the, the vitamins, Chase? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So they're clear. The bottle's clear. The box has like bright yellow on it. And they actually smell like the mint. They have some like mint, you know, scent in in there as well. So light and fresh, and they're thinking, you know, vitamins reimagined. So, all right, let's let's just go through and sort of that have feel average day and status. And uh, I've put together a couple of thoughts. So initially, so have they start out in the before state with the traditional multivitamin, you know, shady fillers potentially additives in there. That's kind of just the basics of what they have, or they don't have a vitamin at all. But um, and then the after is sort of this idea of the vitamin reimagined. So clean nutrients, no fillers, no additives, vegan certified. It's sort of next gen, right? So that's kind of the most basic. That's just like, hey, you used to have this old crummy vitamin. Here's a newer, better vitamin. That's the simplest one. That's half. I kind of see that strategy as the go-to for most intro marketers. Right. It's the easiest to wrap your head around. It, definitely. The others take a little bit more experimenting and, and thought. And you know, in these examples, I have the benefit of being able to pull up the ads in the ads library and kind of have the answers to the questions. But really, it takes a lot of time to think through these, to experiment and to get them right. But let's go through these next ones. So feel. Um, I've got a couple examples for feel. So before state is, you know, with your old vitamins, you're uncertain. Like, does it have everything in there that I need? Can I trust this vitamin? And so the after there would be somebody who's confident, trusting that your vitamin has everything that it needs, that there's no gaps in sort of this nutritional plan, right? Another one could be that taking your vitamins is more like just a, a daily to-do, right? It just check it off your list. It's not part of, you know, it's not like a something you're looking forward to or that you think about really in any other way as it's a have to, right? The other way that you could feel about it is like taking your vitamins is part of your self-care ritual, right? And they've designed the whole brand around that, um, calling it ritual and to help you become the best version of yourself, right? So that's sort of thinking about the feelings and that's sort of maybe in one layer deep, in, deeper than sort of the have and, and, and before and after. Mm-hmm. Um, average day. Okay. So average day might be in the morning, you're cobbling together multiple supplements, right? You're having to pull together all all these different things. They all add up to maybe a a lot, right? Because you're pulling from three different vitamins. Um, average day after ritual is just 
they're selling it as a super simple solution. It's all contained in ritual, right? So it's just two pills you take. And also it's an easy win because, you know, there's so much around like daily rituals of successful people. And it's about, you know, exercising and meditating for 30 minutes and all these things that are great, but taking your vitamins can be a real easy win, right? Mm -hmm. So giving you an easy win. Um, Another average day is uh, just when you take your vitamins, you have a fishy aftertaste, right? From like fish oil, omega-3s. And I said, this leaves you with a minty aftertaste. So, And then finally, status. I think that the status is sort of rolled up in these, but essentially it's someone who's taking care of themselves, right? That's, that's how you see yourself after. This is a, a self-care routine. Absolutely. You know what the best part about kind of approaching it this way is, and I'm sure that I'm just stealing your thunder here, but it's like once you think through this process, you're like, oh man, you could just make this video or this, you know, these couple images could tell this story for me. That's exactly it. It's supposed, to, you know, this this framework's supposed to basically give you here's all the components that you need. Now just mix and match, you know, like pull from one have not over here and the other have on this side, and and you've got an ad. Um, so if you go to the Facebook ad library, you can pull up any brand that's advertising um, and, and see their ads. So I did that for Ritual. And I pulled a few of their copy examples from their ads. Um, so I'll read through just a couple here. So let's, let's say we're talking about like shady fillers and additives, right? In, in the before state. Um, let's see... So vitamin industry is full of half-truths, mystery ingredients, 10-pill regimens that overload women's bodies. Uh, that's why Ritual's founder set out to create something better. Here's how she did it. And then there's an explainer video, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about this before and after. We're going to tell you about this kind of new after state in the video. All right. Another one. So from D3 to Omega-3, Ritual Essential for Women fills the gap in your diet all with a fresh mini flavor and no fishy aftertaste. So this is all exactly like the concern, right? Is, is this going to have everything that I need in there? And then the, you know, the after, so we're, it's trustworthiness. I think that trustworthiness and simplicity are, are sort of what they're getting at in most of these before and afters, especially when it comes to vitamins, because you just, you have to trust the brand, right? You don't mm-hmm. actually know if it's working or not. Um, all right. Finally, a vitamin, a multivitamin you'll actually enjoy taking. The vitamin is designed to help you support your nutrient needs post-menopause, expertly developed with eight key nutrients into minty fresh pills. And then this last one I'll go to is, it says skeptical, we were too, which is why we created a, an obsessively researched vitamin that even us skeptics could trust. So like like you were saying, Chase, we're essentially just pulling from these before and after states here, mixing them together, and you can have you know a bunch of ads to run with, a bunch of different hooks to test out in your advertising. Absolutely. So let's 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 talk about that. You've used that word twice now, hooks. So for for someone that's just getting into it, what is that? What what is a hook? Good question. So I like to think of hooks as just an angle. So your hooks can be sort of emotional like this, sort of these um, um, feel, average day, status, all these things. They can also... A hook can be more feature-related. Um, like, uh, let's see, you know, a max speed on a tire, you know, a stat, like a, the way that a camera works. You know, it's whatever, 20 megapixels, whatever it might be. I don't buy cameras. I mean, I might argue that that is also in the have stage as well. Because before you didn't have that, and now you do have that, there's your, there's your correlation. Yep. So I think of hooks as just essentially different approaches, 
right? That you can take a uh, different angle that you can take. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I just have a couple quick examples that we don't need to go so deeply into, but one is uh, tactical baby gear, right? So they say on their website, your diaper bag isn't your child's accessory, it's yours. So we're essentially going from, you know, on their website, they say, going from your girly diaper bag to, and then they have, you know, all their imagery supports this, you know, this image of sort of this super practical, military inspired, awesome bag, right? Yeah. And the status that you're going for is being seen as like fun dad, super dad. And they used customer reviews in their ads. One of the reviews said, from Call of Duty to diaper duty, this dad has been an absolute rock star with our with our little girl. So that right there is how they want to be seen as others, right? That's something that appeals to people that are buying this bag. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So a question about your process. So do you, when you are working on ads for your clients, do you start with copy first and then try to find the creative later or vice versa? So I usually do an inventory and I'll say, so what do we have to work with? And so I'll hit out the lowest things first, right? So if they have videos that I can work with or, or lifestyle images, then I'll go and figure this out. But basically, you know, after we've hit kind of we've we've hit all those low hang, the low hanging fruit, then I do like to go through this process. And then when we're creating new copy, excuse me, new creative, I like to have already done this so that our we're being purposeful in any new creative that we make. Awesome. So you're like, hey, these are some cool ideas we had. You should create content around this and you share that back with your clients. Exactly. Yep. And I like to share lots of examples. Um, so I'll pull from the ads library and you know, take a screenshot and say, what do you think about this idea? This is something that we could do and sort of model, but in our industry and with our products. Okay. Uh, before we move on to creative and testing, though, I do have a few more questions here. So when you are uh, looking at examples, are you looking like in the same industry or vertical, or do you like looking in different verticals to to kind of get some inspiration? Uh, you know, just to help people get their own ideas. Yeah, I I'm a big fan of looking outside the the vertical. I'll always look at the competitors just to see what they're doing, but it's usually that's not how you get a a sort of a competitive advantage, right? Is by by doing the same thing that they're doing. So it's I think that it's pretty cool to look into other industries and and pull from you know some neat idea that you see a different brand and totally unrelated industry doing. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's always uh a good it can definitely get the creative juices flowing. Yeah. And this is a great segue into creative, which I personally think is the differentiator between a brand that's going to make it on the platform with advertising and a brand that's not is like creative. It's the hardest thing. I agree 100%. So creative, let me just, I guess, start by sort of talking about how much you need. That's a question that I get all the time, right? And I think that the amount of creative that you need is going to be related to two things. One is if you're in testing mode and you don't know what the hell works yet, right? Yeah. Then you need a lot of creative just so that you can start testing things out. Once you actually get the gears of the machine turning, then I think that it's determined by your spend level primarily. Yep. So you're spending a lot. You're going to need a lot of creative. Um, some of our highest spending accounts, um, we're adding new creative on a weekly basis is our goal. Um, it doesn't mean that we're replacing all of our creative uh, on a weekly basis necessarily, but we'll add new creative to the pool and kind of let it you know, duke it out right in between the old and the new creative. Yeah, see which one's gonna which one's gonna win. Uh, it's like the those old radio contests of uh, you know which one's gonna stay the winner. You know this one's been the winner for fourteen weeks straight. Exactly. Yep. And you know one thing to be careful of is that your ads that have lots of social proof on them already 
are usually going to be the winner uh, just because Facebook already has so much data on that ad. Yeah. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind, but even still, you know, I'm, I'm always adding new creative there. And I do like to test creative before introducing it into sort of my main campaigns. Um, so I'll usually have um, like a, a campaign that that has sort of my best low funnel audiences. So that would be like my newsletter list, previous purchasers. Um, and then I'll have maybe one of my best cold audiences, which is, you know, oftentimes like maybe a 1% purchase or something like that mm-hmm. uh, lookalike. And so I'll test it in both of those. Um, and also I'm looking to gather some comments and social proof from the um, ad set that's, that's hurting my customers, right? If you show an ad to your existing customers, a lot of them are going to jump on there and say, Oh, I, I have this and I love it, right? Um, and add a bunch of comments to to the ads, and then you can take the post ID from that ad and pop it in. You know, once it graduates from testing, you see this is a good ad. Then you can graduate it into your you know top of funnel campaigns. Oh, that is a right there is a gem. Okay, so what he's doing there is he's he's finding a winning creative, and creative is imagery and video uh, to use a non-industry term. So he's, you know, creating a new ad with a cool video or with a cool uh photo or series of photos kind of depends on what what ad you're really running. And then he's testing it in uh some audiences that he knows are going to work regardless because these people are very familiar with the product. Once he sees one starting to catch on and it's got social proof now on the on that ad as well. So it's got comments and it's got likes and it's got shares. Then he's putting that he's repurposing that ad now at the top of the funnel to try to bring in new customers. He's using it for prospecting. Exactly. And for people that haven't done this sort of thing before, part of that strategy is using the the you know they call it the post ID from that ad that has all the comments, so you can retain those comments. And the way that I, that I do it usually is I'll go to the ad, hit preview on Facebook. It's called like preview on Facebook with comments, and then. It's going to give you in the URL. There's going to be a big string of things. The very last set of numbers before the the slash, right? So the very last set of numbers is what you copy. And then when you go into a new ad, you you choose use existing enter post ID and you paste those numbers in there. That way, you're not erasing all the comments and the social proof. You can carry it with you. Is, is that clear, Chase? Yeah. Well, I guess my my only clarifying question here is is are you making this first initial ad that you're trying to test out in kind of the middle of the funnel that you know people are already familiar with the brand? Are you making a post and then boosting it? Or are you actually making an ad with an ads manager with that segment targeted? I'm de- I'm definitely making an ads and ads manager. Um, then after you hit publish is when you can get that post ID when you preview the ad. Gotcha. Yeah. See, that's something that always uh, seems to... Uh, it's getting the ones that already exist and then using them to kind of elevate it. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's my strategy um, in terms of social proofing. And what you'll find is that social proofed ads perform much better um, than a fresh ad. So I try and social proof whenever I can. How long are you letting a winning ad run? How high are you letting the frequency get? That's something that some people are looking at a lot. Yeah. So once I've graduated that, right, that ad into my top of funnel, then I'm looking at usually two numbers. I'll look at my frequency, like you mentioned. Um, and if I'm looking at like, uh, you know, 30 days, then I would not want that frequency to get over. Usually I can, if I see the frequency getting over two, then that's usually high for, for a top of funnel audience. 
The other number that I'm looking at, though, is the first-time impression ratio. So retargeting, though, to be clear, for my retargeting, my frequency numbers are higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. My cold traffic, I, I'm looking to keep it at two or less generally. But the, the other number that I'm finding, and this has been released by Facebook in beta to most ad accounts. Uh, I have it in probably 9 out of 10 ad accounts uh, that I'm looking at right now. And that is the first-time impression ratio. So basically, this is a number that represents... Okay, so we showed your ad 10 times. Of those 10 times it was shown, how many times was it shown to somebody that was a fresh face that had never seen the ad, right? Mm-hmm. So that's your first-time impression ratio. I'm watching that. When you when you launch it, it'll be 100%. And then you'll see that number start to go down lower and lower uh, as it shows uh, the, the ad to more and more people. And my threshold is usually around the 50% mark. Once the ad is being... you know That first-time impression ratio is in the 40s, I usually see my performance start to decline any Anyway, mm-hmm. which is another indicator, right? That you want to switch things up. Let's be honest today. All of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. Awesome. And so we're talking about here just the top of funnel and prospecting. So with your goal with that is more just moving people down into the middle, you know, into into purchasing. How many steps is your funnel that you kind of play around with? So it depends a little bit on my spend uh, too, but I'm usually thinking about it. I'll have my my top of funnel, and uh, so just to be clear, you know, my top, that's prospecting. So that's going to be interests and lookalikes. Um, I'm also doing a lot of like even open targeting these days where I don't, you know, this is only for accounts that have seen lots of purchases already. And Facebook has a good idea of who you're targeting. I won't even send, I won't even set a lookalike audience or interests. Maybe I'll just set, hey, if I know that this is, it's men that we're targeting, I'll set that it's men. But otherwise, I'm leaving things basically open and that's forming a part of my top of funnel. Uh, And that's kind of a side note there, but. That's kind of an interesting thing because that never would have worked a few years ago, right? Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. But so, you know, now I might assign, I don't know, 15, 20% of my top of funnel budget to open targeting. Um, I'm also using lots of like big, broad, you know, so let's say 10% lookalikes um, with CBO. CBO seems to work really so. Sorry, and I'm throwing CBO out there. That's campaign budget optimization. Uh, that's kind of the new way Facebook is, is uh, setting things up starting in February. It's going to be mandatory, apparently. It hasn't happened yet. Fun. Yeah. But uh, so CBO works really well with big audiences. So back a year or two ago, I was looking for things maybe three million people tops typically, uh, you know, m- maybe five at the very high end. Now my CBOs all include three ten percent lookalikes. Oftentimes, each of those have twenty million people in there. Um, so that's sixty million people in this CBO, which just never would have worked before. But Facebook's done so much work on their um, on their AI and the algorithm that it's just a lot better at finding people. If you give it date, you have to give it lots of data though and give it spend for that to actually work. That's a good topic right there is spend. Um, what 
would you say is kind of like your threshold not to work with you or anything like that but if you're going to get started on your own and you have the time to commit to learning the platform you've gone through blueprint which is free don't get started on facebook without actually looking like figuring it out like go do blueprint if you want to do this but like how what do you think the budget you should be starting with especially now that it's like this is a mature platform these spent these these clicks aren't cheap Right. So I usually think about it in terms of like a multiple of your average order value. So it depends on what you can spend. But I think that if you are going to be successful and you want to have the best chance, I usually try and allocate at least three times your average order value to an ad set when I'm testing. So if I'm testing a $100 product out, I'll set up a new you know, ad set that has an audience in it and ads. And I'll say, I'm going to let this run for up to $300 before I decide if this is a winner or a loser. Now, that becomes harder as you jump with... If you're working with like really high AOV items, uh, you know, if you have like a, a $2,000 grill, um, backyard grill kind of thing, you don't want to necessarily spend $6,000 to validate an ad. I think that that breaks down at the higher levels, right? Yeah. But I think that on the lower levels, spending you know, at least... 100 bucks per ad set uh, on the very low level. And otherwise, I just use average order value as kind of my marker. So I'm looking at three to five times average order value to test. Uh, and that kind of helps you think about your, your testing, right? Um, in terms of you know, setting aside resources. Do I want to test 10 ads at once? Or maybe I should be testing you know, two ads at a time over 10 weeks, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So it helps you kind of formulate uh, your, your plan there. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that right there is just simple math for everyone listening of whether or not you can get in the game with with these Facebook ads. Is your average order value? You're not going to be able to win on a ten dollar or twenty dollar budget, right? Exactly. And you know your average order value. That's you know that's one to one, right? If you if you earn fifty bucks and it costs you fifty bucks to make it, um, you're coming out you know break even in terms of dollars in dollars out, and even less when you talk about your cost of goods sold. Well, I mean, but then you could also be coming out even more if you're talking about lifetime value. If you've got a product yep. or a, you know products that your customers tend to spend more over the lifetime. So that's a huge point, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I usually don't think about, like when I'm just talking about like getting an ad account started. I'm talking about these simple numbers. But you're right. When I'm looking at scaling an ad account, then we're looking at lifetime value, right? It actually might make sense to bring in customers at, at cost. Or even sometimes less than cost, right? Yeah, I mean, here you could spin it any way, and that's like kind of the fun thing about analytics. But I think that there is validating that the platform can work for you. There's a so it's like, all right, like we can make it work dollar in, two dollars out, yep. or whatever you know works for you. That seems to be what people are happy with at the at the minimum. And then from there, it's like you can only sell to the same people over and over. Like you need to grow your customer base, or your business actually isn't growing. So then figuring out what is actually good for your business in terms of scaling, like what is the like highest you can pay to acquire a customer that you're willing to hold that risk for them to come back to you again and then you get your return on them in the future. So are you willing to, you know, your lifetime value is say $300 but your average order value is 150, are you willing to pay $150 to acquire that customer and sit on them for 2 years to get that other $150? Right. Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. Another sort of, you know, side avenue is just think, thinking about your numbers and your break even. So, um, you know, we had talked about maybe just validating that, you know, 
your products work, your ads work on the platform, getting kind of that one-to-one return. A lot of times the next step I'll be looking for is, all right, so what is your break-even given your margin? And an easy way to figure that out with just kind of big round numbers is if you take one and then divide it by... If you have a 50% margin, then it'd be 0.5. If you have a 60% margin, it's 0.6, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take one divided by 0.5, that means it gives you two. And so that's your break-even row as will be 2x. Uh, if it's you know sixty percent margin, then I think that that's going to be one point uh, six. Yeah, so one point six will be your break even. So having enough margin there, you can see, is really helpful because if your ROAS targets are so high that you you it's hard to reach them, then that's going to make it difficult to scale. Yes, so much yes. And so let's talk about that now. And I think you tweeted this the other day, and I shouted you out. But um, this is like if you have. A fifty dollar average order value, and it's costing you thirty dollars to produce it. Like you cannot make money on Facebook. You are. It's just too expensive these days. Yep. Um. You know, you need to get your average order value up, or you're not going to be able to do it. You need to get your margins up too. You know, paid acquisition is a channel that only works when you have healthy margins. Exactly. So you know, a lot of times, part of figuring out how to get paid traffic to work for you is finding. All right. So what's going to be sort of our top of funnel product, so to speak? Right. Like one that has healthy margins, uh, one that leads to uh, maybe people making repeat purchases afterwards. These are all different things you can consider. And sometimes it's funny. I was recently working with a brand where you know our goal was to get the average order value up. So we went with a product that was more expensive, higher average order value. When we compared that to a cheaper version of that product, in this case, the cheaper one worked better because the barrier to purchasing it was you know better, and so we actually we turned basically the idea is that there was more margin on the cheaper product, uh, and so we had more to work with. Now, of course, that's going to break down at the very low end of the spectrum. Like you said, ten dollars CPAs just don't exist top of funnel. Yeah, no way. Yeah, so yeah, it's important to to think about those things and be strategic about which products you're selling. Uh, you know, doing things like bundling and trying not to give away all of your your margin with your 10 or 15 or 20% discount code, right? If you don't have that margin giveaway. Absolutely. So uh, we kind of just got into it there. And I I just want to circle back to the third thing that we promised people we talk about, which would be testing. Uh, So give them them a few tips and tricks there on testing. Yeah, so I mean, I I went through a little bit about sort of my my testing strategy, but maybe you know I'll talk about this when I'm testing. So I kind of have that little that process that we talked about, um, you know, showing these ads to low funnel audiences and uh, and then my kind of best top of funnel audience, so some sure audiences. Mm-hmm. But then besides that, when I think about testing, I'm trying to make sure that I'm not just playing the same note over and over, right? And so you can think about that in terms of like different ad types, um, different messaging for sure. But let's talk about ad types. So there's like, I don't know, maybe eight eight different ads that I use regularly. Um, And I've broken them down into like, you know, intro videos. So this is where you're introducing the product. user-generated content, comparison videos, um, like review and PR videos, uh, video they call like obsessed, uh, which is, you know, lots, it's usually, it's another form of PR, but it's people that are essentially saying, I'm obsessed with this product. Uh, and you might have hypey music behind it or whatever it might be. But so you've kind of got those mm-hmm. um, influencer videos uh, and then unboxing or reveals. So I want to highlight something there. Yeah. All of that ended in videos. Very true. 
So, and you know, I think you have the most flexibility with videos to actually do all these different things, right? I do rely on single image kind of images as well, but uh, the story that you can tell with video is just much, you know, you have a lot more leverage and you can tell a much richer story with video than with a single image for sure. Yeah, I see single image performs well uh, with retargeting people that are familiar, you know, the warmer they are, you know, that's fine. But if you're prospecting, you might just be burning money on a, on it just because it's, so easy to get lost in the shuffle of the of the of the platform. Uh, video just gives you a better opportunity because it's moving and it's you know humans have lizard brains. If it's moving, they're going to look at it. Exactly. Yeah, video is great. And then another thing uh, you know that I'm sure you know, but is just you can retarget video as well, and it gives you one more data point and one more audience to work with. So I'll retarget people that watch 95% of my video, as you know that kind of tells me they're interested enough to have watched that much, and that's another good audience. Yeah, I would consider that hot traffic. I'd consider that bottom of the funnel. 95% yep. of a video is a lot of a video. Yep. Yeah, so that that's another solid audience to, you know, to use and another benefit of using video. Absolutely. Um I know you you talked a little bit about Ryan Dice. Uh, you can find that uh, probably on Digital Marketer. Um that information. Is there any other resources like people that want to get into this other than like Facebook Blueprint, you know, so maybe some unbiased stuff that they can learn from? You know, I I am a, so I, I read tons of books. I mean, um, if you want to learn more about sort of like storytelling and everything, uh, building a story brand by Don Miller is a good one that can give you some of those basics. But because stuff changes so much on Facebook, I just try and be a student of the Facebook ads library. Um, so I'm in there all the time and I try and, you know, those, I listed kind of all those videos that I, ref, that I use when I'm going through competitors' videos and, and clients' videos. I'll often find myself like my, myself trying to, to categorize and kind of break it down just so that I can learn like, okay, what are the chords that they're playing? Then once I know kind of, hey, these are the key you know, notes or chords, then you can rearrange them and make your own song, right? But it's great to be able to categorize it um, and, and learn from it that way. So I'm always doing that. And I'm always thinking about which ads I actually stop on when I'm looking at my own feed. And once I find one, I'll usually screenshot it you know, on my phone and then come back later when I'm in brainstorming mode and check out all those ads. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, is there anything uh, that you want to share with the audience before I let you go today? No, I think that's, that that's primarily it. You just don't try and do everything at once. If you take anything from this, I would just experiment with some of those before and after questions that, uh, you know, the Ryan Dice questions, see if that gives you some new ideas and then just dedicate, you know, one new piece of creative and just kind of get out of your box. Cause you know, we get into these ruts of doing the same thing over and over again, where there could be something really great on the other side that you haven't tested out yet, just cause that's not your normal way of thinking about it. Absolutely. If someone wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, just at Kurt Bullock, um, or at uh, our website, which is um, producedept.co. Really bad URL. The dot coms are always expensive. <laughs> yeah. I also have the produce department, I think, but uh, producedept.co. Follow them on Twitter. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Right on. Thanks, Chase. You're welcome. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.